Tonight's Survivor Know-It-Alls is brought to you by the first ever Rob Has a Podcast original web series. For more information, visit realitygamemasters.com. The smartest guys around are about to break it down like they want the game a million times. Well, actually, they didn't really win the game at all surviving no way to How's it going? I'm Rob Sesternino, the CEO of podcasting, and here I am with the lowly middle manager of podcasting, Stephen Fishback. I just got blindsided in this. You're you're such a big jerk trying to boss everybody around here and... You know, you're, you're just trying to lead this this podcast, and I, I want you gone. <laughs> no, no, I am the CEO. Here we are. Yeah. Steven, it is. We are live after Survivor on Wednesday night, as usual. Survivor know-it-alls. Rob Sister, you know, Steven Fishback, and we are here with you live <laughs> chatting on uh, robhasawebsite.com. If you are watching us on YouTube, you can join the chat room. We have over 400 people chatting live with us uh, right now, and very exciting to uh, be here with you live. Steven. Hey, yeah, great, uh, good episode. I mean, not as obviously no fireworks like last uh, like last time. Still, we got to see some of the some good stuff on the fans tribe. I feel like the fans are uh, holding their own. You know, thought that it would be. I thought I would be more bored with a fan centric episode than I than I ended up being. Um, got some really big characters and big personalities, and you know, maybe even better play on the fans tribe than we're seeing on the favorites tribe. So. I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. Sort of an out-of-left-field boot uh, for the fans tonight. We also had an immunity idol in play and some fireworks between Shamar and Reynolds. Plus, uh, we had all sorts of craziness going on over at the Favorites Tribe, and we'll talk about everything that broke down, uh, and including uh, Dawn and Brandon Hans. We'll, break, we'll, break, <laughs> we'll break everything down. And then later in the show, we're going to tell you about the first original Rob has a podcast web series uh, that we're going to finally uh, tell you about at the end of this show. I know a lot of people have been asking me about that all week, but we have a lot to do here on a Survivor Know-It-Alls Wednesday. Woo! All right. Well, Steve, let's let's start with, let's not bury the lead. Let's start with the fans who vote out Allie tonight. Plus, we have all this drama with the immunity idol. I think that's where we should pick up our focus here tonight. Here was my problem all episode long, is that I I don't know if anyone else had this problem. I couldn't tell the difference, really, between Allie and Laura. And I couldn't tell, like, which one was talking. Do they look exactly the same to you? Well, this is a favor from the Survivor Gods, because, yes, uh, that it was pretty confusing, and they do look very similar, Allie and Laura, so luckily we're not going to have to to distinguish between them anymore. So this was a favor from the Survivor Gods. Yeah, it's making it a lot easier. And then when they voted out Allie, it was was, she was the one saying goodbye. And she was the one who said she's been a fan since she was 11 years old. I find that hard to believe. Like, is someone who's a fan since they were 11 years old going to get into that cool kids alliance and, like, make such a huge mistake? 
apparently, apparently. Yeah, I really. Yes, Stephen, where are you? Were you thrown for a loop from the editors here this week? Because did Allie have one confessional the whole show? She opened the show with a confessional that said Shamar was going to be gone because everyone was sick of him. Um, and obviously Shamar was not gone. So I think that might have been it. That was, you know, that, that's always the one, though. I think I feel like you did you tweet that? Someone tweeted that. Like if someone says early in the show, this is what's going to be happening. Nine times out of ten, not what's happening. Yeah, what happened was, you know, every th- all the clues pointed to Shamar. Everything was Shamar, Shamar, Shamar. We got uh, that's like that's like a uh, inverse Marsha, Marsha, Marsha uh, <laughs> for Jan Brady who might be listening. Yeah. But we have uh, everybody's talking about Shamar the whole episode. But the only thing that kept sticking in my head was that after the immunity challenge, and usually this is also a, b- a bad spot. Whatever somebody says is going to happen after the immunity challenge, I'd say about seventy five percent of the time doesn't happen and then we had Reynolds say well right. I guess it's pretty obvious tonight that Reynolds is or that Shamar is the guy who's going to go home so if the Survivor editors are telling us something is going to obviously happen I, what I had tweeted was I'm not sure if this is one of the BR rules or not but if somebody tells you that something is obvious it means it will not happen just like yeah. when Francesca says hey if I'm the first one voted out of here uh, give me, I'm going to, I'm going to eat this rock tonight because, uh, I'm, there's Do no you have way. A stunt rock? What is that? I can't, well, is, is that a stunt rock? Uh, I, I, this is, uh, Steven, this is, uh, from the, uh, my, my lovely wife. It says, uh, th- thank you for being my rock. Uh, that, and, and, uh, I'm going to get one for Francesca as well. So I do have a, uh, a Francesca rock here that I will eat at some point. We'll Wait, be. is that themed? Is that themed for, uh, <laughs> no, is that because no, of last no. week? It, we, <laughs> that was for a, a, a while back. Uh, yeah. anyway, so <laughs> I did not expect to get into the explanation of the rock, uh, the rock tonight. That's if, sorry, wait, sorry. That's if, if we have a tie break at some point, that's how we, uh, yeah. that's how we determine me and Nicole have to, uh, put, uh, Rocky. we put yeah, we put a rock and a ball of tinfoil in, in a bag, and whoever pulls out the rock loses. It's very, it's very All right, so, so Ali goes home, right? Yeah. And, and did you so you thought, I mean, you didn't think Shamar was going home because you said, like, everyone's obviously saying Shamar is going home. But then you also have um, Sherry, who is saying Shamar is your fill-up. She's going to keep uh, her, her fill there. You know, I thought Sherry is playing, you know, Sherry's playing I, a really, really smart game. Steven, I feel like there's a fishy in Sherry's future. Oh, yeah. I don't, she uh, may- definitely. <laughs> Sherry's doing the fishy for this week. I, she, she does everything she did, I thought, was so on point. From the way she she stroked Shamar's ego, didn't she say like I need to keep stroking my fill or something? Yeah. Um, that meanwhile, uh, you know, we have this whole thing with the BR rules happening over at Favorites Beach, but meanwhile, Sherry is saying, "Hey, uh, this is my Philip. Uh, I want to yeah. keep him around. I'm Boston Rob, and I like my Philip." Yeah, Sherry's actually playing like Boston Rob, unlike just not just like, talking about playing like Boston <laughs> Rob. Um, and she's got her alliance, and I think she has a very very good way of getting her, you know, getting her agenda through without seeming bossy. You know, she has a very sort of way, like, it's just, you know, she's got a really great leadership kind of, uh, uh, you know, take charge mentality, but but not in a way that comes off as uh, as bossy. You know, like when she asked Laura, well, who do you want to vote out tonight? You know, she didn't say, here's who we should vote out. She changed the, you know, when, um, wow, I'm all over the place here, Rob. Uh, when Matt comes, so Matt and, and Michael, right, they're deciding, do we want to stay with the cool kids or do we want to stay with, the uh, jilted kids, the uncool kids. Do we have a name for them? For the misfits? 
Yeah, Misfits. Hey, Misfits. Who, we're, who we're, else was the? That was the Survivor One World. That was Colton oh, yeah. and Troyzan, Colt, and right. uh, so we'll just say, uh, we don't want to say the others because then we'll think we're on Lost. But <laughs> we'll say the the un the uncool kids. Yeah, the uncool kids. Um, and and so and Sherry just you know shuts it down in a very very polite way. She says she says to Matt, you know, I think Shamar is going to calm down as soon as he as soon as he sees what you know that that he's not getting voted off. So she doesn't argue with him. She just sort of deflects his suggestion and then passes it to Laura and says, who do you want to vote off? And, and, and I just thought it was so elegant the way she did that. Yeah. And don't you think it would be a mistake for the fans to lose Shamar at this point? I mean, isn't he one of their most strong guys for, I mean, if you're going up against the favorites in these challenges who maybe aren't, aren't super strong, but are very experienced, they're veterans. They've done all of these challenges before, you know, just like Boston Rob, you know, he was always a good athlete, but then it reached a point where after you've done, you know, 10 or 20 survivor and amazing race challenges, you sort of figure out their, you know, the best way, way to do most of them they recycle a lot of these things over so then you had sort of that that athletic ability combined with knowledge and that's what the veterans really have so it seems like a big mistake to lose shamar where you got shamar pulling the rope for one side and cochran's on the other side pulling the rope for the favorites i mean you there's a lot of strength there with shamar yeah uh absolutely and um yeah, I mean, definitely, especially with uh, with the challenges. Uh, so so even right now, you know, you don't want to lose one of your one of your real anchors. Um, yeah, losing Shamar would have been a mistake, but but also there is the argument. You know, if you are happy in a cohesive unit, you're going to function better together in the challenges, and I think that's true. And and we did see that as they were talking about roles, Shamar was just sort of like sniping from the sidelines, and um, you know, I think there's obviously a lot of validity to what Reynolds had to say. And I mean, did Reynolds go about saying it in a smart way? Like, obviously not. What did you think of that, Rob? What did you think of Reynolds coming back from the challenge and pointing the finger at Shamar? Well, that seems like a real sort of novice move of far as far as, hey, I'm in a four-person minority here up against the six people that are in the other alliance. Let me come back from the immunity challenge and call out Shamar because, I mean, Shamar had nothing to do with why they lost. I mean, to call out Shamar in front of everybody, it just seemed like not a very sophisticated way to go about that, to sort of put the target back on Shamar. What do you think? Yeah, well, I also loved Eddie's, Eddie's assessment of the challenge. You know, here's what they did well. They had strength in the beginning, strength in the middle, and strength in the end. Like, what does that even mean? They had strength all the way? Like, they yes. were just, like, stronger? Yes. Than we were. Like, they were strong. Well, we, what we did was we went with weakness, weakness, and then a little <laughs> bit of strength. And they went with strength all around. Like, that was what we should have done. Like, it wasn't, yeah. there, there was no strategic analysis to that, you know? Um, so, yeah. It was not, a, right. there was no strategic yeah. So let's talk about this immunity idol because that really uh, spiced things up here a little bit towards the last 15 minutes of the show. So Reynolds, uh, in a very Russell Hance, uh, Brandon Hance said he had Russell Hance's blood flowing through his veins. It was more like Reynolds who went ahead and found an idol without a clue. Are they even giving clues to the idols this season or it's just like, hey, uh, they're just out there. Go find them. I don't, what, what is it with like, he just had, look, so when I was on Survivor Token Chains, I knew there was an idol out there, right? <laughs> and I went looking for it everywhere. And when you're in the wilderness, there are a lot of trees in the wilderness. You know, you can't look in every freaking tree. It's just not possible. 
how does this guy stumble on the exact right tree yeah. within like a few minutes of looking? Well, Stephen, let me uh, that you, you may or may not be familiar with the with the, with the strategy involved in looking for Easter eggs. Uh, but you know, basically your parents are, get pretty lazy. And so yeah. there reaches a point they're in the same place every year. So, you know, whoever the PA is that they tell, okay, you go, go hide the immunity idol. The kid's like, all right, where's the tree with the hole in it? Where? So just like the guy who's looking for the tree with the hole with it, the, the guy who has to go hide the idol is like, well, I'm not going to go dig a hole. I'm just going to, I got to find a tree with a hole in it. So eventually they find a tree with a hole in it. That's like, you know, 10 feet away from the camp. And then whatever's survivors comes shows up first looking for the tree with the hole in it that's the guy who finds the idol it's amazing to me that it happens so fast like straight out of the gate um and i, I don't know i mean it's you know good for Reynolds, i guess good for Reynolds for having the wherewithal he, he reminded me actually a little bit of christina kell yes. from redemption island where you know she he's running all over the place right he's getting the idol he's making alliances he's dealing he's wheeling but he's not really thinking strategically you know there's like so much like gameplay and there's not as much like actual and i i really feel like this is the legacy the, the negative legacy of russell hans where people think that like big moves and like shouting and pointing fingers is like the way to win but actually what russell was good at which i think a lot of people don't realize is um very subtle interpersonal manipulation and i think that's where reynolds is lacking i i would agree with that so steven how about all this play with the idol let's take it person by person did reynolds handle the idol correctly tonight um what you mean you mean after it was called well, out okay let's take a person let's go back a person okay so reynolds found the idol he didn't tell anybody so laura spots the idol and right. jeff's you know jeff gets to laura gotta know anybody i forget what the question was he asked her uh what, what's what are you thinking going into tonight and she's like well i think somebody is the idol uh right. and she sort of calls out and uh, probes is like reynolds She's looking right at you. What do you got? You got the idol? And he's and so he takes it out. No no denial here. And says, Hey, I got the idol. And and you know, the ultimate bluff in Survivor, you know, we saw Malcolm was the really perfected this last season of, hey, yeah, you're you know what? I got the idol and I'm gonna play it tonight. So I uh, just gotta oh, get I rid thought, of it. I mean, I thought Russell's move in Samoa was like that's he invented this move. Yes, like, Russell did. It, Russell did that. invent it, but it most recently uh, perpetrated by Malcolm last season. Yeah. Um, right. So, do, is Reynolds' move the right move there? I, I think absolutely. Right. Like you have to fest up to it when you're caught. Um, you say you're going to play it because you don't want to have a target, and then you obviously don't play it because no one is going to vote for you. I think. I mean, maybe now moving forward, it's like overdone. And, you know, but but so I think, you know, future generations of survivors, if they're, you know, uh, we'll, we'll have to re- reinvent this. But for Reynolds, I think it's the right move. See, I think he crossed the Abby Maria line in his over saying, hey, well, you know, I'm just going to play it now. You know, I think right. that, you know, the Russell move, I believe, and I have, I have to go back and watch that. He said, yeah, you know what? I, I do have the idol. And you just, yeah, just put, put it, it on. on. You just put you just it put on. on. You don't have to say, hey, well, if you're going to vote for me, I'm going to play it. So you'd be stupid right. if you vote for me because no. you're not going to vote for me out. So especially if your voice goes up at each sentence after you're going to vote for me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's also a tell. But I, so I thought he didn't need to do that. Now he's lied to everybody. And now everybody says, okay, now he can't try. You know, Reynolds a real. Uh, he's, this guy's a real piece of work. He said he's going to play the idol. And then he didn't. He 
you put it back in his pocket. Oh, I, I don't totally agree with you there, Rob. I think that's easy to damage control. I feel like, you know, lying to someone about playing the idol, it's like you, you go back to camp, you're like, this is our idol, you know, or you say, you can't, you know, I'm playing it next time. You know, I mean, you know, he's on, his back is to the wall now. So uh, are people going to trust Reynolds? Maybe not. You know, he's already in the minority alliance. Hmm. Yeah. Should... Uh, I'm trying to think uh, that. Uh, I, Laura, I guess, should Laura have called Reynolds out? Yeah, that's that's the next good question of did Laura handle this correctly by bringing up the idol? What does she gain to right. bring up the idol in front of everybody? I mean, it was not like that the target tonight was going to be Reynolds. You assume that the six had Allie in their sights the whole time. Um you wonder if even by talking about it did now do we get into a point where uh, Reynolds, if he's really savvy, says, OK, now I know they're not going to vote for me. Now I'm going to give it to somebody else to play. Right. And, th- and and also, you know, I think by by bringing up the issue of the idol, you know, not only does, he, does she put Reynolds on his guard, but she might confuse her own alliance. Right. Like maybe a stray vote goes to Reynolds. Maybe someone is like, yeah, this thing is messed. Let's just vote out Shamari. You know, maybe Matt thinks that. And that's why, you know, I thought Sherry did such a good job where Sherry at that moment says, I'm voting for who I'm supposed to be voting for, you know, and I think that things got very confused at that tribal council. And she gave this very clear statement that was very meaningful to her alliance without giving something away, you know, to the opposite alliance. I thought that was very well done by her. All right, Stephen, big picture, state of the fans. Are they in a good spot? Uh, They had to go to tribal council. They vote out Ali. Did you like that move for the fans as a whole? I can't, you know, you can't think of it like a fans as a whole. I mean, you, you know, right. Like every, every, every individual fan, you know, I think as a tribe moving forward, probably not right. You have your two biggest do or two of your strongest guys. They're, they're alienated. You have Shamar who's a source of tension in the tribe. Um, and you still have this M- Michael and Matt or who are ambivalent. I think there's less unity now than there was before. Okay. Let me put it this way. Okay. You're on the favorites tribe. Okay. Now we're going to, we're going to put you in the position. You're on the favorites beach. Okay. Two scenarios. Okay. You go, it's the next day you go to the challenge. Jeff says, come on in guys. Uh, all right, Steven, here's your first look at the fans tribe. Allie voted out at the tribal council last night. Uh, right. What's your reaction there as opposed to, all right, let's get your first look at these guys. Uh, Shamar, the first one voted out. <laughs> I, okay. From that perspective, clearly uh, favorites would be disappointed, right? You always want to see a big dude gone. You want to see some kind of power struggle. Uh, I certainly remember the first time we saw a big guy was voted out. We were just ecstatic. So um, yeah, um, probably, probably a, a fine move from the fan, yeah. from the, fans for that and really as people who yes we have some vested interests we have you know we have friends who are on this season we you know we we you know we obviously as human beings we like we like uh rooting for certain people more than others but as people who are just really at the end of the day hoping for an exciting season i think that as the viewers i feel like uh we things went our way tonight definitely as the viewers you know reynolds got the idol there's going to be conflict back at camp you know, Reynolds, as you said, you know, just like way too outspoken um, and will probably continue to be too outspoken, especially now that he has both his back to the wall and a little bit of leverage. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. All right. So let's shift over into the favorites. I want to remind you guys as well in the chat and as well, if you tweet us with the hashtag RHAP, uh, we can take your questions here live on the show. Also, Jessica Frey is behind the scenes. She's compiling uh, some of the questions, and Stephen and I will uh, take your questions here live uh, in just a little bit. But let's shift over to the favorites.
favorites tonight, Stephen. And not a lot of airtime for any of the favorites outside of maybe Philip and Brandon tonight. We Philip, yeah. Yeah. So we had a all week it was teased. Brandon Hance. He's gonna lose it. He's gone insane. It's brand you know, crazy Brandon. And really by the end of the first uh by the time the credits rolled, that was really the extent of crazy Brandon. <laughs> well, shockingly, the teaser for next week was an inaccurate teaser. Like who who would have guessed such a thing that it was uh overhyping a minor uh, minor scenario? <laughs> um yeah, so Brandon, you know, and I, I, you know, Brandon goes to bed furious. The, the, the he's riding the Russell Hance wave, and he's talk- my favorite alliance in the history of Survivor is maybe Brandon Hance and Eric Reichenbach. Mm-hmm. Like that twosome is so perfect. Like both having made the dumbest move ever in the history of the game. Just like they're like Laurel and Hardy. You know, you have this like goofball Eric, and like Brandon's like, I'm gonna destroy everything. And Eric's like, Yeah, yeah, it'll be fun. Yeah, that's cool. And you know, Brandon's like raging against the guys, and Eric's like, Yeah, man, totally. It's just like such this perfect, you know, I don't know. I can't I can't Abbott and Costello, you know, it's yeah, the Brandon thing is so is so bizarre because this really is no middle ground. It's either like I will burn this camp down, I'm gonna right. go crazy, <laughs> or it's like, uh, Jesus, please, uh, please, yeah. you know, uh, that hey, that wouldn't that wouldn't be what uh, my Lord and Savior would say to do. So I'm gonna I'm gonna back down here. You know, it's really well. And Cochran's comment was perfect, right? Like you because you don't know what to get with him. Um, you know, it's very, it's a horrible experience. You know, he's a very unreliable player, which is uh, the, wor- the worst thing for you in Survivor. Yeah. Could we give Coach a little bit more credit here for being able to keep Brandon under control for the most part for, what, 34, 35 days on South Pacific? I always get, that was Coach's like major coup, right, in South Pacific, was that he was able to bring his alliance together. And like everyone was personally loyal to Coach, right? I mean, that was... Uh, that was what was so incredible about coaches that he had all these nut jobs who later went on to like be on survivor nut jobs and uh, was able to like keep them together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So uh, we have one of the great scenes uh, that for comedy purposes was, you know, Cochran and Brandon talking about like Cochran really talking Brandon down off the ledge and, and, you know, br- Brandon, in almost like a Matt Elrod type move, and uh, hear me out with where I'm going with this. You know, back in Redemption Island, you had Boston Rob sit with uh, Elrod, and Elrod is like, yeah, you know, Rob, I, I almost was going to stab you in the back. I was, I was almost going to do this, but I didn't. I just want to let you know. And Brandon, the same things where he says to Cochran, yeah, I was going to go crazy. I was going to sabotage everything, but I decided not to do it. Isn't that a really <laughs> a, a really bad move to for Brandon to say I, what he was going to do that? That, and now if anything goes wrong basically everybody knows brandon is the saboteur <laughs> i don't think i mean i feel like brandon's play is not guided by a good move or bad move right like i think we can just safely assume that everything brandon does is a bad move um but you know he he's like just like goes according to his will i mean like i feel like a better you know what about dawn you know like is she making bad moves how is she you know how are how about the way that she handled it? I kind of felt like, um, do you think she handled Brandon well? I guess is my question. Uh, yeah, I guess so. I mean, she has the experience with dealing with uh, Brandon, and and you know, Dawn is very is very sensitive, and you know, you hate to see Brandon make Dawn upset. So, uh, I mean, really, what are you gonna what are you gonna do? I mean, it's Brandon Hans shouldn't be picking on Dawn. 
But isn't it unreasonable? I mean, I, did, what, what did Brandon say that was so outrageous to Don, right? Isn't it unreasonable for, you know, not only does Brandon see uh, his ally voted out, it's his friend, right? You know, he feels like personally that it was, it was like a nasty move. And then Don's like, you need to understand where we're coming from. Like, screw you. No, he doesn't. Like, he's allowed <laughs> to be pissed off, you know? Like, anyone will be pissed off in that situation. And, like, Don is, like, lecturing him about how he needs to be a better human being. I thought it was a little bit over the top. <laughs> Dawn is taking him on a journey. She's trying to teach Brandon Hans. Uh, uh, you know, gonna. He's, he's a young – she's a teacher. He's a young, he's a young man. She sees him yeah. as one of the students. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I just, you know, and then she's crying because he's mean and it's not because he's mean to her, but it's because he's mean to the universe. It's like, all right, let's, let's like, you know, <laughs> she, she's culpable. She turned on her ally, right? Like <laughs> he's not culpable. Like, why is he getting the lecture? Yeah. <laughs> all right so we had also another great scene where uh okay so cochran is talking with brandon and now here comes philip and they say oh no philip come on we're not talking about anything you can come over here and philip basically lays it all out for for brandon uh he's like yeah. do we trust each other and philip says all right brandon let me let me put it to you this way uh you know i'm the ceo your middle management. <laughs> so, uh, and we also heard later on in the episode, uh, Philip refer to not, it's not just Stealth R Us anymore, it's Stealth R Us Inc. And my question yeah. for you we're talking about yeah. the CEO, middle management, Stealth R Us Inc. Steven, yeah. is Philip maybe here uh, politicking for a run at the Celebrity Apprentice in the future? <laughs> It's definitely, you know what, um, it's funny, like, Coach, when he went back into Heroes versus Villains, he already had nicknames planned for every single person. Like, Courtney was Nineveh, you know, and they were all, like, so obscure. You know, the first time <laughs> out, we had the Warrior, the Wizard, the Dragon Slayer. Like, we're we're in it, right? Like, just, like, the archetypes. Boom. And he goes back season two, and he's like, you're Nineveh, you're, you know, like, all these, like, obscure references that he probably spent weeks looking up. Um, I think Philip's doing a little bit of that, right? Like he knows what what America likes about him. They like the this like this kind of mythological, you know. It's not a myth, it's sort of a mythology, but he's just like he's piling it on, and it, you know he's losing some of the essence in it, like the dominatrix and intelligentsia attaché. It's too much. He needs to take a step back. Take a step back. Uh, what, what and Malcolm was? Uh, let me see. Uh, I think I wrote this down. The enforcer is that what Malcolm is? Malcolm is the we get the enforcer. Malcolm, yeah. the dominatrix, Corinne, intelligentsia attaché, Cochran. Uh, Andrea. Andrea is the eliminator. The eliminator, nice. <laughs> um, and uh, Dawn is Dawn. True grit. True, true grit. grit. True grit. Yeah. Again, I, yeah. I think I think that might be a little bit of a stretch for Dawn. <laughs> I never I saw think, True Grit. Yeah, so I, I don't th- know. I, I yeah. think the baker. The baker might have been just just perfectly good for Dawn. The weeper. The weeper sounds like terrifying, right? <laughs> that would be good. That would be good, too. Yeah. Uh, so any of the – you could have gone a number of directions. A true Grit would not have been uh, the first nickname I came up with for Dawn. Yeah. Just put, um, putting that out there. Uh, and I, I saw someone tweet, uh, like, which of the BR rules is – you know, preening for the cameras in front of your alliance. And I think that's not a, I mean, like to me, it's unbelievable that in this season of like camera whores, like by, by, you know, Philip is is trying to trump them all, right? Like the one whore to to rule them all. Well, really, it may be seen uh, that 
Philip may be the best camera hog in the history of the show because, you know, he's performing. He's doing all these things uh, for the camera. And then but then there's also the subtext of is Philip crazy? Is Philip doing this for the camera? Is this strategy? Is he being a bully? Is he bossing us around? Like, you know, Cochran is great with the camera, but there's no question among the other. Like, is this an act for Cochran? Is he really right, right. this person outside of the game? I don't know. So there's but he a- kind of is an act from Cochran, though, right? Like, it's an act, too. Like, he's also, like, playing up this archetype of the awkward nerd. Yeah. So, but it's but it's not like there's no question of that. Nobody's really questioning. Is this is this really who Cochran is in real life? But for Philip, that's always going to be there with him. And so there's a lot of you know talk about you know what Philip is saying, and also you know people other people talking about Philip. So we'll see. Right. And and you know the Hans family in Survivor Redemption Island, there was you know there was a little bit of a, of a you know Philip and and Russell. Uh, you know, they they were a little bit uh, seemed adversarial. They never got to be in the game uh, before then. But Philip has been pro Russell Hance outside the game. But Brandon Hance uh, does not seem to be getting along with Philip Shepard. Well, it is pretty crazy that like this this guy is raging. You know, this guy is like, and then finally, you have this lunatic who's threatening to you know pee in your rice. Calms down, and he asks you if you trust him. And, you know, Philip decides to insult him instead, like rather than, you know, like placating him further. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the, the Boston, again, uh, you know, it's hard for me to say because I was going to what I was going to say is that I don't think the Boston Rob move would be, hey, you know, I'm the CEO. You're the middle <laughs> management. But, you know, in fairness, that is what Boston Rob did to Philip. In fairness, he said, Philip, I don't know if I can trust you. I got to see. So so in that instance. Oh, that's very interesting. You're but, right. And he and Philip, like he made like Philip like work for it. But that was not has not been Boston Rob's M.O. throughout with dealing with just about any other player throughout his history in the game. You know, that was the yeah. one per, the one instance that Boston Rob did that. But I would not say that that is the hard and fast Boston Rob rule. And, and Boston Rob knew that would work with Philip. And that's why he did that to Philip. Uh, Philip, I don't know if he is thinking, OK, what will work specifically with Brandon Hance? Let me give him what will work specifically with him. Whereas Boston Rob knew, I know putting uh, testing Philip, giving him a mission will work for Philip. Well, and, you know, obviously if Philip is doing the Boston Rob rules, he's, he's played with Boston Rob once, right? Like, he, well, Boston Rob did this to me, so I'll do this to someone else. Like, it makes perfect sense. Now, do you think that – this might be too broad a question, Rob. Do you think it's irresponsible to bring back someone like Brandon Hans, who has a history of mental instability and, uh, you know, you put him in a high – you know, we've seen him break down before in a high-stress situation. He's a young guy. He's obviously confused. You know, if you have a Facebook account, you've seen this guy like wrestle with his demons. Is it wrong to bring him back again? Uh, it's that's hard. That's hard to say. And uh, I I don't know if if uh, you know we have you know we have we have seen some some uh, you know kooky things that Brandon has posted on in social media, but for the most part, I feel like most of the kooky things we saw were post the filming of this which was in the summer so i don't know if necessarily if you asked me that question in may uh if i would have been able to answer that question as i would be able to answer now and say like okay go look at go look at some of the things this guy's posting on the internet uh seems seems a bit unstable 
I would I don't say know, we, we talked about it even in when we talked about Brandon in, in Redemption Island um, or whatever, South Pacific, you know, I think we both agreed that he was unstable and it was questionable whether you'd want to cast like an unstable 19 year old in mm-hmm. that situation. Uh, and then, you know, you, you've seen him react to it once. Like, I, I don't know, bringing him back. It seems like not the best. You know, I, w- I would not have brought him back for a, f- a few different reasons. Uh, you know, the stability thing would be would be certainly a factor in the equation there. But I, I don't know if, like, from where he ended on Survivor South Pacific, you would say, okay, well, you know, he seems like a, seems like a nice kid. I mean, for the people that were out there, they said he probably would have won the game if he got to the end. Right. And, and I think you saw some of that sweetness, um, right, even with his conversation with Cochran, right? Like, there's obviously, you know, obviously he's very sweet and he's obviously very troubled. And, you know, probably that troubled side came out less because – Coach was there, you know, coach was there like nurturing him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So let's bring in Jessica Frey so we can uh, take some questions uh, from you guys. Uh, Here we go. So here's uh, here's Jessica. Let's turn her camera on. Uh, And uh, she has been monitoring the chat. Jessica, how are we doing tonight? Good, good. All right. You got some questions for us? Got some brain busters for Stephen and I? Yeah, hopefully they're good enough questions. Here's one from Andy Baker. Okay, here we go. I'm going to, you got some background noise. I'm going to mute your mic here, okay? All right, here we go. From, uh, so uh, we got our our first question of the night uh, Jessica is bringing up for us. Uh, let me see. Well, while Jessica's getting that ready, here's a question, uh, from Andy. Uh, what do you make of Malcolm being in on that Brandon and specialist, uh, conversation? Uh, where, where do we think Malcolm is, uh, in all of this, Steven? Wait, what do you mean being in on the Brandon specialist conversation? Did I miss something? Uh, so, well, let's just, let's, let's just go with uh, where, what do you make of Malcolm's position in all of this? In Andy's, Andy writes a blog for us on com. He is not high on Malcolm's chances this season. He says that he likes Malcolm. He thinks Malcolm is a great player, but Malcolm is being shown to be the comic relief so far this season. And I would say that consistently again tonight, we didn't see anything about Malcolm, his own gameplay. We saw Malcolm saying, oh boy that fill up what a nut uh he's really he's really being pretty uh you know coming up with these nicknames what is that all about but we're not getting a a lot of malcolm as a serious uh you know threat to the title of survivor here well you know he's malcolm's first confessional uh in the, was that you know he did last episode was like oh i don't know any of these people and it was important for me to make a good impression and here i've made you know impression management is my big challenge and now i've made a good impression so you know, I think his first confessional was not unstrategic. Um, you know, from the editing perspective, is Malcolm played for laughos or is he played for strategy? Uh, you know, so far he's been played for laughs, but that's more than um, you know, more than Corinne, more than Brenda, more than Andrea, right? Um, who've had very, who got zero airtime this this episode, um, and all three of them, not just Alice making some crack about Andrea. <laughs> My God, I'll start this again. Um, <laughs> Um, those three people did not get airtime. I feel like that's not a controversial statement. I'm sorry, America, if you think it is. Um, anyway, so, you know, wh- you know, the question I think, the, you know, is Malcolm doing a good job though, which is different than is Malcolm's edit good? You know, I think he is doing a good job to come in from, uh, outside and to now have this position in the dominant Alliance. He's got a nickname. He's, you know, going on one-on-one walks with Phil. Um, you know, and I actually think that's going to be hard for Malcolm because 
even last season, you know, Malcolm's problem was that he wanted to, he wanted to be the boss a little bit. And, you know, even in his relationship with Russell Swan, you know, when Russell made fire, Malcolm, instead of him, uh, Malcolm, you know, he, he was a little bit upset, right? He like played it off like, oh, it's good strategy, but he's a little bit upset. And I wonder how long uh, Malcolm can be second fiddle. Now, do you see Malcolm? I, I noticed this tonight. Is Malcolm sort of, you know, just warming Philip over the same way he did Russell Swan last season? I mean, isn't Malcolm giving Philip the same exact Russell Swan treatment of, okay, I'm going to let this guy think he's in charge, but really I'm going to be pulling the strings behind the scenes and then I'm going to vote this guy out when it comes down to it? Um, I, I definitely, yeah, I think that's exactly right. You know, like, and he had that confessional, right? Like, you know, a few days of Philip is fine, and you know, thirty-eight days of Philip, I'm gonna kill myself. You know, I think that. Uh, <laughs> I think uh, it would be fun. I think thirty-eight days with Philip would be a blast. Come on, you know, thirty-nine that's not would true. be better. Thirty-nine yeah. would be better. <laughs> yeah, Stephen, no, you know, right? I played Survivor, and I, I had a guy on my, on my season who was unstable, and I said, I'm right. gonna, I want to go to the end with you, buddy. I'm gonna keep you around this whole time. Wait. It won't necessarily I love be it, fun. Steven. I mean, I had be. that guy too. And I, you know. You got rid of him. Yeah. <laughs> it's a challenge. It's Embrace a challenge it. to keep someone around. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's take another question. Uh, this one uh, comes to us from Jess Bug 4 uh, So was anyone else besides me completely wrong about Matt? I think he's doing a pretty good job under the radar right now. So there was a question tonight, Stephen, of what was going to be going on with uh, Matt and Mike of who was going to go on which side. And it seemed like Matt, uh, I mean, who knows how it really went on, uh, but Matt seemed to be the one who was making that call, would you say? Yeah, and he even said, if I tell Mike which way to go, Mike will go with me. Um, and, th- and that just could be like Matt and Mike are a team. And last, re- last week we saw the Mike side and this week we saw the Matt side, uh, but they're making decisions in sync. Um, what did you think? Was that the right move for them to go with uh, the Sherry Alliance instead of the Reynolds Alliance? Well, I think it was the right move as far as keeping the tribe strong. I have to think that that was the right move. And also, if you can break up that power couple, uh, you know, you have a you can really go either way. And, you know, much like uh, much like uh, Sarah Freeman wrote in her blog uh, this week on Robinswebsite.com that she said how Cochran and Dawn were in the best position, because if they want to, they could go with the Philip, Andrea, Malcolm side, or they could go with the Brenda, Brandon, Eric side. I kind of think that Matt and Mike are in the same sort of position where, okay, yeah, they got rid of Allie, but next week, if they want to side with Eddie and Reynolds and uh, Hope, they could go there, uh, you know, and, and uh, instead of with the with the other guys. Right. No, uh, definitely. I mean, I, I definitely agree they're in the best position. And I also agree that, you know, for them to break up the uh, alliance is good. Um, although Matt wanted to vote out Shamar, right? Like that's because uh, his thought was we keep them happy. And I think um, bad instinct, Matt. But, you know, it's just he's just voicing a possibility. So who knows? Yeah. Okay. Uh, here we go. This uh, this is from uh, Ellen Smith uh, wants to know if Reynolds was truly a good player, he would have given it to all a few seconds ago. OK, so, yeah, there you have it, Stephen. <laughs> I definitely, I, uh, agree you know, I think that, that that was, you know, I think that was uh, that might, that was meant to be Allie and maybe the, the uh, Don, he would have given it to Allie if he was truly oh, giving a good it player. to Allie. Yes. I, I, that's, I, I don't know. You can't make, that's a hard call. You know, Reynolds, how does he know what, what he thinks Shamar's getting voted out, right? Like, 
why would he give his idol away when he thinks Shamar's going home? Yeah. Okay. Uh, this is from uh, Vicky914. Uh, will Sherry ever consider cutting Shamar off later on down the road, or will she really try to carry him to the end? Well, who knows? Right. Yeah. Um, I think that I, I would say she'll, she sounds like she wants to try it, right? Like, as of now, uh, she, she's going to try to carry him. But, you know, I, th- I think she's a very situational player and a survivor is a very situational game. So uh, uh, she'll probably make good decisions along the way. Okay. Our friend Tyler Sloan wants to know, we're two episodes in and I have no idea who Brenda is aligned uh, with, if anyone. Is she really all alone at this point? Hashtag RHAP, hashtag Rob C. Winner pick. Uh, yeah, my winner pick is, is uh, not looking like she's in such a great spot. Is Brenda here dead in the water? Well, you know what they say, right? Like the people who are not getting airtime, do we want to talk about it from an editing perspective? Like are probably going to, I mean, typically the people who get airtime are the people who make it all the way and the people who are about to be eliminated. So Brenda's not getting airtime. Um, you know, she probably does well, but not doesn't win. Well, here's what's working for Brenda right now is the uh, the Hans <laughs> the Hans factor is working in Brenda's favor because if the favorites can win some challenges, then if they lose a challenge, if they want to vote out Brandon here along the way, then she can be around until a swap, and then after a swap, you know, all bets are off. It could go any, any way. It, I wonder, like, how much you know? It's it is so interesting because we saw in Nicaragua that Brenda was like a very aggressive player, and obviously she had you know, the excellent Sash Lenahan there to, uh, to help her out. Um, but, um, you know, it's interesting. I wonder how much that kind of hurts her going into this new season where it's a bunch of nut jobs, none of whom were particularly strategic players. Ah, yeah, nice. Ah, there we go. Ding. Um, I, yeah. I took out my Sash 8x10 uh, for Steven if... <laughs> if uh, <laughs> I have one in my bedroom as well. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so you know, I think that like you know, you have to wonder how much that kind of thing helps or hurts you in a game in a game of uh, all stars. Okay, one last question. Here we go. Uh, this is uh, from uh, Scott St. Pierre. Couldn't Laura have been looking at anyone at Tribal Council? She was sitting on the end. Jeff meddling again. What do you think, Stephen? Was was this out of bounds for Jeff to say, "Hey, you're looking right at Reynolds"? Um, I I thought a lot of even like with Shamar, like. Remember Jeff's question to Shamar, like, Shamar, is this environment something you're used to or is this something you're not used to? Like, clearly trying to, like, get the Iraq thing out of him, right? Like, are you used to being in desert situations surrounded by other people in extreme situations and shooting at people? You know, it was like so – so I, I thought Jeff was doing a little bit of leading. Um, obviously, that's a role that he thinks is, is uh, valuable now. And I, I like it, right? It stirs the pot. As a, as a viewer, it's, uh, it's fun. What do you think? I didn't have a problem with it. I mean, it, it seemed to me, uh, I think it's hard for us to tell on television who she's looking at. She might have been, you right. know, right. Th- that might have been a more extended glance uh, in real life, uh, you know, or it might have been in the tribal council. Uh, you know, Jeff said, you know, saying like, hey, you brought it up. So you got if you if you didn't want to talk about it, you shouldn't have brought it up. So right. who uh, let me know who is it? Like, <laughs> you know, and he will he's you know, he he always talks about people's reactions, you know. Oh, Michael Snow, you had a big reaction when Francesco was voted out. He's oh, good, though. Know, he's yeah. good. Like you could be like you could be sitting there at tribal council and just be sort of like. Hey, uh, Rob, yeah. what was that? I saw you. You, you flinched. 
you, you must have something for to ways say. to get you involved yeah. though you yeah know, with me he was, i would be like you know flailing wildly and he would be like mm, let's go to coach <laughs> yeah all right so let's uh, let's uh wrap this up here on a survivor know-it-alls we're going to pick up talking about this survivor tomorrow uh with my guest holly hoffman uh who could tell us oh, a little wow. bit more about brenda's game and tell us about what she's doing and also steven did you know this holly hoffman actually wrote the foreword to uh philip shepherd's novel the no. specialist call in the no. costa rica job she did that that's very strange i had no idea <laughs> what does have you read the what does the foreword say i don't have a copy of it yet I need wow. I need to go and uh, I need to go and and get a I'm waiting for to get an autographed copy from the specialist himself. I might have to just go go and buy it at uh, robinsawebsite.com/specialist for. Uh, the... Well, I bought it uh, for Kindle, um, which is awesome. it is available for Kindle. So I haven't read it yet. I haven't read the forward, but now now I want to. Yeah, so... I, read, I read sections of it. Yeah. I just hope in the in the book it's not it's not really a business book where they're talking about uh, I'm the CEO. <laughs> these are the fourth quarter returns where we've been looking for. Uh, what's yeah, the Costa Rica job is doing? a plant opening. Yeah, it's an actual opening in Costa it's, Rica. No, yeah. it's, it's an actual <laughs> job. They're looking to hire yeah. somebody. Uh, that, that's what it is. Like uh, we have this position down in Costa Rica. It's a middle management position. We think yeah. you'd be perfect for it. Will you accept this Costa Rica job? They're like ah, uh, I don't know. Uh, all right, so. So that's uh, we're going to talk to Holly Hoffman tomorrow. And then uh, she's actually uh, uh, really funny. So I'm looking forward to uh, talking with her. people have been asking her for a long time and glad we finally uh, got her onto the show. So, Stephen, are, are you ready? Uh, let's talk about this. Uh, you know, we've been teasing this for a while. The uh, Rob has a podcast original web series. Uh, and it's and it's happening. Uh, it, the show is called uh, Reality Game Masters, and uh, I, I'm very proud to tell you, uh, Stephen Fishback will be involved with this production. Yeah, I'm a game master. Hell yeah, yeah man! I, I'm I'm very excited about this. Yes. So, well, what the, what this show is the first original Robin's podcast web series. We are bringing uh we are bringing together some of the greatest strategists, uh, the people who really study the game from Survivor and from Big Brother, and we are bringing them here to uh all, all in one place uh for the ultimate grudge match of uh of game strategy. And global world domination. Uh, we are bringing the reality game masters together to play the board game Risk. Woo, Rob! <laughs> what if I'm first voted out? I'm actually a little bit, or like first risked out. You know, <laughs> I'm first, a little bit worried. The about first it. person eliminated. Yeah. So what this will is? I, will I lose my spot on the know-it-alls if I'm no. if I'm out risked? No. Okay. Good. No, you will. Right. No, you will not. And yeah. and how, what this is going to look like? It's going to look like a cross between basically like celebrity poker and an actual reality show where we're going to have confessionals and interviews, and I will be calling the action and hosting uh all all of the fun, and we're going to shoot it all in one day and bring a bunch of uh strategically minded reality stars together uh to square off uh in the uh reality game masters showdown. We're very excited about this. Well, if things go bad for me, I'm going to pee in the uh, craft services table. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? So, uh, and so what we're, what we're doing to uh, be able to uh, fund this production, we have started a uh, Kickstarter, which just opened up a couple hours ago uh, for the Reality Game Masters. And you can view that at realitygamemasters.com, and we will be announcing more cast members uh, along the way. And I'm very excited about this. Uh, I, I'm 
very nervous about, uh, you know, can we actually uh, pull this off? We're working with a, a very uh, talented uh, director, Alex Forstenhausler, who you know well, uh, and he is a, uh, a very bright guy. And we're, uh, this should be a very fun collaboration and looking forward to hearing what you guys think about this. Yeah, I did. Uh, I did a, a know-it-alls from Alex Forstenhauser's apartment. He served me <laughs> lemonade during it. It was wow. a very good butler. He's a great butler as well as a great director. I'm very excited to participate and uh, and hopefully uh, not lose. So yes, realitygamemasters.com uh, is the link to our page on Kickstarter, and we'll have uh, plenty more about that uh, as we go along. And you can watch our the video which uh, we recorded back in December, uh, which is a, basically like a two minute trailer to see uh, what the show is going to be all about. But uh, this show is going to be all about out of time, Stephen. Well, thank you, Rob. A great time, and uh, very much looking forward to the uh, Kickstarter page. Yes, I'll talk to you soon. Reality Game Master Stephen Fishback. All right, everybody. So for the rest of us, we have a very busy day uh, tomorrow planned on Rob Has a Podcast. I will be speaking with the first person voted out of the fans tribe, uh, the one and only Ali Pohavitz. Uh, We'll talk to her uh, on a Thursday morning. And then later in the day, we're going to talk to Holly Hoffman and ask her her take about uh, this Survivor fans versus favorites and and find out exactly uh, what is going on with Brenda. Uh, how did she get to write the foreword in uh, Philip's book? And should it be her instead of Dawn Meehan on this season? So we'll see if she's bitter with Dawn for uh, taking <laughs> taking a spot that some people thought should have belonged to Holly Hoffman. So we'll see if there's a rivalry between Holly Hoffman and Dawn. Uh, okay, so uh, we've got that coming up on Thursday. And then I'm trying to work on another very special show for you guys for uh, this upcoming Monday. Uh, it's very, very exciting. Again, yeah, I, I want to put it in pencil, but I'm working on a, uh, a special which is very much not confirmed, and I'm not going to say uh, what it is. But if it does uh, happen, I will uh, keep you guys posted, and hopefully I'll have some more information and I can lock that down for you guys for Thursday. So uh, lots of great stuff. Check out the, all of the bloggers on RobHasAWebsite.com. They are writing some really amazing stuff. There's new blogs posted every day on RobHasAWebsite.com in the blog section. If you scroll down, uh, there's the podcaster on the top, and then all of our bloggers are writing really great stuff on the lower half of the website. So thank you to Stephen Fishback. Thank you to Jessica Frey. And if you uh, want to subscribe to this podcast or to the survivor-only show feed of Rob Has a Podcast, you can do that at robhasawebsite.com slash show feeds. Have a great night, everybody. I will talk to you on Thursday. Take care, everybody. Bye. The theme to Survivor Know-It-Alls is written and performed by Dutch supergroup The Fake Plastic Trees. For more of their music, visit their website at fakeplastictrees.nl.